Welcome to Unbreakable Spirit, stories of inspiring and thriving with Jennifer Seven, co-author of a book that is part of the Sisterhood Folios, a number one international bestseller. This is a podcast about real women who've overcome tremendous obstacles and come out on the other side to thrive. Whether their hardships were financial, relational, or health, these women dug deep and found the light out of the dark to rise from the ashes, to find the ability to forgive, to love, and to live an authentic, joyful life. Now, here is your host, Jennifer Seven. Welcome, Unbreakable Spirit listeners. As always, I am delighted and thrilled to have a very special guest on this podcast today, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her before we jump into her story. So I am delighted to have Jan Coppen here with me. And Jan was actually born in South Africa, but she currently lives in Toronto, Canada. And I met Jan through the Unbreakable Spirit book. She is one of our co-authors, and we'll be talking about her story in the book today. But Jan is actually an entrepreneur, and she currently works in the health and beauty industry with New Skin. But her love for it started way back when she was just a four-year-old and discovering and playing with her mother's lipsticks. (laughs) (laughs) Since then, she's been improving her technique by applying them ever since. And unfortunately, I know with the pandemic, we are all wearing our masks. So lipstick kind of went by the wayside for a little bit, but I think it's coming back. Jan worked at Mac Cosmetics before becoming an entrepreneur and doing unique and fun events for store openings around the globe. She also has quite a lot of experience with event planning. She's worked with celebrities and she's worked around the world with planning and putting together events and also charity events. But her true passion is helping people look and feel beautiful from the inside out. She also enjoys travel, sailing, tennis, fashion, devouring books, and writing poetry. Her greatest joy in life is spending time with her family, especially her two granddaughters, Georgia and Chloe. Well, Jan, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Wow. Thank you, Jennifer. Really fun to be here. Yes. And I am honored to be able to share your story from Unbreakable Spirit, which is not just your story, but it's also your daughter's story. So let's go back in time and let's start with you just sharing about your daughter and about her story and and this journey that you went on together with her. Yes, it really started with my daughter, her journey through cancer. And Chatelaine Magazine asked her to write a blog for them just for one month. And she was extremely reluctant to do that. Uh, however she did it and it just immediately went viral all over the world it was absolutely incredible and so Chatelaine begged her to keep writing and she did for the rest of her life and because Leanne wanted always wanted to be published and she ran out of time and we never could get her story or her blog published I took this opportunity um, to be one of the writers, one of the authors in Unbreakable Spirit. And I thought, this is great. I'll, I'll write about Leanne's story and get her 
blog published. It was her blog is very funny. She has a wicked sense of humor, uh, sometimes dark sense of humor. Very informative, fun, funny. It's no no wonder it went viral. So I decided I would I would take on this challenge of intertwining our two stories together of being two unbreakable spirits. Yes. And her blog is about her cancer journey, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. But it's called Cancer is Crap. And uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it probably shall and called it something else. I'm not too sure. Interestingly, while Leanne was writing her blog and sometimes she would read excerpts to me or say, how does, how does this sound? Or she'd put photos in. And, uh, but while she was writing it for the two years, I never read it. I, I couldn't read it because I was living her story. So afterwards, when I was writing this and writing our stories, I read her blog. And I realized, whew, what a gift she left us. It is, it, it's just so powerful, so encouraging, giving people so much hope always. It, it's not a downer. Although she died, it, the blog itself is always fun, funny, and hopeful. And she had more courage than anybody I will ever know. I think it's wonderful that she was able to find humor in all that she went through. It's, it, I guess, what do they say? Laughter is the best medicine, but you've got to get through it somehow. Jan, tell us about your daughter and tell, go back in time. Tell us when this all started and then just bring us forward through her story. Yeah, she's, she wrote how it started. Uh, it's actually the, the first piece she wrote about was how she'd always had lumpy breasts and never thought anything of it. But she had a deal with her doctor, who was absolutely wonderful woman. And she said she always took her lumps to her doctor and her doctor would examine them and say, no, that's fine. Off you go. You know, a lot of women have lumpy breasts. So I don't want, and she didn't want anybody to, to give the impression that if you have lumpy breasts, it's necessarily cancer. What she did want was everybody just to make sure and have, have them checked, have your breasts checked. We know that a lot of people still don't, don't do that. So, oh, um, and, and listeners, it's so important because if you can catch these things early, hopefully that can change the outcome. But yes, yes. doing your routine mammograms and being proactive is super important. Yes, you're so right. On this occasion, she found uh, another lump and she took it to her doctor. And um, her doctor examined it and said, no, this is not one of your normal lumps. And as she, as Leanne described it, when she heard that, no, this is not one of your normal lumps, she said her whole world shifted or started to begin to shift and hasn't stopped shifting since to the left. And at that point, my world crashed to the left, to the right, to the middle, to the floor, down to a place of fear and darkness, which of course I desperately tried to hide from Leanne, but we were far too close for that. I couldn't hide anything from her. 
And so that's really where we started our journey together. So just a couple questions for you. Can you tell us how old Leanne was at this time? Uh, Approximately. (laughs) Just approximately. (laughs) I I think she was 36 when she first found uh, her lump. And she was 38, I believe, when, when she died. But in Unbelievable to the world. I do not keep track of dates. I know my kids' birthdays, but that's about <laughs> as far as it goes. When did it happen? How did it happen? She was she got pregnant quite soon afterwards, about a year into it. Oh, and she she was pregnant during this time where she had cancer. Yes, yes, she became pregnant fairly soon after she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And did did that mean that she couldn't get treatments during that time because she was pregnant? No, she had treatments. She was three. Her mother died. Okay. So what we're looking at is she was about 36 when she found this lump and then discovered it was cancer. And not long after that, she found herself pregnant. Yes, she was, she was pregnant and she did have treatments all throughout. So yes, she left the greatest gift, uh, my granddaughter. And do you remember or know what kind of breast cancer it was? Because two years is really short. Very short. She, I forget exactly the name of it because I never Googled anything during the time of her cancer. I, I did not want to know. My son did, and he knew that she had been diagnosed with a very virulent, aggressive type of cancer. It isn't that common. So for all the listeners, take courage. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's really not that common. But the survival rate, which my son told me afterwards, uh, is 5%, around 5%. So I'm very actually grateful that I never Googled and I never knew that. Mm-hmm. And, and you didn't Google it because you, you didn't want to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> because the internet can really take you down. Yes, I didn't want to know. And at one point in time, the Anne's oncologist, who was very good, was asked her if she wanted to know, or Leanne asked her a question, wanted to know the stats on something. And Leanne decided to wait, asked uh, Excel, her beautiful French uh, husband. And, you know, he said, stats are stats. They can prove things one way or another. And he's, he advised her not to listen to them, to, te- to learn about them, um, because Leanne was always very knowledgeable. She was very knowledgeable on her treatments, what the side effects, what to expect, where I was the complete opposite. I'd, I'm not sure if it was denial, but I did not want to know. And I'm very glad she didn't listen to and hear about any of the stats of what what she had and what was going on. So yeah, I would be afraid that if I heard something like that, it would just 
take away your hope and it might even take away your will to live and keep fighting. If, if you heard something like that, that's like, that's a really low number. Yeah, 5%. it is. It's, I think it's better not for me, definitely mm-hmm. better not to know. I don't want to be given two years because then I'll probably live to the exact date of Yes, yes. And then we're like, okay, my time is up. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm supposed to die today. You know, mm-hmm. so, so no, I'd rather not know. So how was it for you when she found this out? And that she had to share it with you as her mom? The night she got the results back from her doctor, she said she collapsed onto her kitchen floor and just sat there and cried. And then she called me. And it was quite late at night and her husband was away and she called her best friend, Angelique. And then I called again to see how she was doing. And she said Angelique had arrived and was spending the night with her. And I got in my car and I went and spent the night there too. So the three of us, there was always champagne and flowers in Leanne's home always mm-hmm. and uh, and wine and uh, so the three of us of course had ourselves a little party that night and cheered ourselves up and and we're all together and spent the night with her oh that's beautiful I love that as a as a mom myself I think how wonderful to have been able to spend all those moments with your daughter so she finds out you find out and then what starts happening Then she starts going to chemo and having different chemos. And I guess the first big thing that happened that all women dread is your hair falls out. And it came out in big moth-eaten clumps all over the place. And, And so it was really starting to fall out badly. And she had really thick, beautiful, long, blonde hair wavy natural wavy hair she was incredibly beautiful and just I think we both really dreaded dreaded that and uh, I'm not sure which who dreaded it more me Mm -hmm. or Leanne Mm -hmm. and seeing her like that and her having to deal with it but we went to friends for a weekend to stay with his my sister-in-law and in Prince Edward County, and we had a great friend there, friends of mine, and Robbie, Rob, um, offered to to cut and shave Leanne's head instead of having this moth-eaten look. And so we went over to his house, and again, it was, you know, he did a beautiful job. He was, <laughs> and we all had wine, and we, there were people around for this, and he was like a an evening with a normal haircut, although everything from here on in our lives was anything but normal. But we had a, a we had a haircutting party, and that was a lot of a, a lot of fun. And she looked stunning with short hair. It actually it it just took my breath away how beautiful she looked with short hair. And I and I was totally surprised because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Nor, nor was she. She, you know, she was fine with it. The only thing she did not like about that was that it was a signal to the rest of the world that you have cancer or something, but mostly cancer. And 
and that she had not, she was very private about it in the beginning. She didn't want anybody to know. And that was the big signal was you couldn't hide it anymore. Right. So, so she shaves her head and she's doing chemo, but did the chemo make her sick? Oh yes. It's awful. It's really awful. I just used to pray that it would be doing some good when I'd go with her to all her chemo sessions, because it would be early in the morning, her Excel would be at work. And Georgia, who was one at that time, would go to her uh, sitter, her babysitter uh, at the early stages. And so I'd take her to, to chemo and watch everybody there, just getting this poison dripping into them and into her. I just really hated it and kept praying that if it was going to be so poisonous, you know, just let it do some good as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, it's unfortunate that it has to be so toxic for, for us. And yet it's sometimes all we can do is you have to, you have to take the poison to, to live or to survive. Yes, you do. And I think it's such an individual decision of how and what you want to do to treat your cancer. There are other alternative options, but that's the option that Leanne chose in the beginning. Was there any discussion about surgery for her? She had surgery. She had right in the beginning when they had first diagnosed her lump, they were removing it and, and then doing the biopsy on it, of course. And, uh, she had two doctors looking at the biopsy and one of them apparently said it was absolutely fine. And the other one said there's something presenting here that's not right. It's not normal. And so they did more tests and discovered that indeed it was cancer. So I'm actually very grateful that she did have the second person looking at the biopsy. That's a good thing for our listeners to hear as well. It's, you don't have to rely on one person's, one medical no. professional's opinion. Yeah, feel free to get more than one. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing to get more than one. Yeah, absolutely, Jennifer. Definitely recommend it. So part of her protocol was then she had the surgery. Did she have a mastectomy or was it more of a, like a lumpectomy? No, she had a lumpectomy and she was walking around with these drains and Mm. <laughs> hanging out from under her arm and she had to be careful that Georgia when she came home would rush to hug her and, and not to get tangled up in, in the, the drain that had to you know they had to drain it mm-hmm. okay so she's she's on the protocol of chemo she had some surgery and how how is she dealing with it at this point and and how are you dealing with it now that you're you're into the point she's lost her hair and you tried to make that experience as oh I, I, what's the word i want to say cheerful as possible I, it sounds like she as you've mentioned she had a really upbeat attitude and she was funny she just made every event funny she would always say something and have us in fits of laughter even one <laughs> incident, she was actually, this is much later on, but she was in 
hospital overnight to have some tests done and some poor orderly or nurse, I'm not sure, came in to take swabs of, you know, her throat and her nose and everywhere. And Leanne told her to take the swabs and shove Oop, them. Put, put it where the sun, <laughs> sun don't shine, huh? <laughs> Just go take your swabs away. And, and this poor, she beat a hasty retreat because she realized Leanne meant it. Because once you've been <laughs> poked and prodded and, and you know, you're having all these treatments and you've lost your hair and you're bald, and she was just not, not going to have her nose swabbed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so she's, she's, ta- she's doing the chemo. And do you remember how many weeks of chemo she had to do? And then it, did there come a point where they were checking the status of the camp. I'm sure there was a time came that they were checking the status of where she was at with all, all this chemo, right? Oh, they they always did. You know, one oncologist was really good. Leanne would ask her what the effects of the next treatment were. And her oncologist said, let's get through this first treatment. And when we get to that, I'll explain to you those effects. Well, of course, she uh, in hindsight, she was protecting Leanne because the second lot of chemo or third lot of chemo, whatever it was, the effects were far worse. Mm. And I remember Leanne, after those treatments, standing at the bottom of her stairs looking up and wondering how on earth she was just going to climb the stairs. The effects were so debilitating. But it was always awful in the beginning and then a period of recovery, sort of recovery and being able to eat again and not being that nauseous. And before you started (laughs) the next lot of treatments. So there were lots of good times in between the bad times. Well, share share some of the good times that you all were able to create during all this. Oh, there were so many. There were always friends in her house. There were always people coming and going. People brought her food. Fortunately, because I am not the best cook, and her husband certainly didn't have any idea of cooking. Leanne was a superb cook, always produced in no time flat, beautiful meals. So friends were always coming with food and flowers. There was, as I said, always champagne. There was always music. There was always, always laughter. If you would never have known if you didn't know, you know, life carried on as for not as normal. We all carried on as normal, although we were having to deal with things that were far from normal. But I think one of my proudest moments of Leanne, and I was always proud of her, was she decided to do the cancer walk. And it's a two-day 60K walk. And it's grueling because I know because after she died, she had said to me at the time, she said, please do it next year, mommy. Do it. Do the, do the walk. And I, and I was like, not my favorite pastime, walking. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyway, she did the 60K walk. She walked the first day. Two of her best friends went with her, Angelique and Sharon. And thank goodness they did. 
So she completed 60K walk, her muscles seized up, her back spasmed. She was in really rough shape, didn't stop her at all. She got up and you sleep in tents that night on the ground, which is not too comfortable. Uh, It's fun. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. And, And then they walked the next 30K the next day. And when she crossed the finishing line, she was so happy. Right before the finishing line, they had stopped, the three of them, um, which we turned into a tradition afterwards because a lot of us walked afterwards. We had a team, the Cancer is Crap team. Um, But when they stopped and they had uh, wine and uh, champagne and they cheered each other and they were just, you know, five minutes from the finishing line and then they all three crossed the line together and she was so um, filled with joy and excitement and pr- pride that she had done it. She'd actually, in between chemo sessions, managed to do it. So uh, that was a, a pretty special walk. She, she sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh. And, and I love the wine theme <laughs> through everything. <laughs> oh, yes. When, when we did it, then I discovered exactly how hard it is to walk. 60k but just before the team of us um, crossed the finishing line we all stopped and it was a very good tradition cheers to Leanne and a great a great tradition you started here oh that is so awesome how wonderful to continue that on and have her with you you know not literally but with you in spirit when you do I imagine she she was so proud of you (laughs) we're doing it yeah I hope so I'm sure I I was telling her this is your fault that I'm I'm walking here yeah (laughs) and we all had our pink cancer's crap t-shirts on with a photo of Leanne on the back so (laughs) she was definitely with us oh that's wonderful because I'm just shocked at the short amount of time that she had between when she was diagnosed and, and when she passed away that two years and a lot of that two years must have been filled with treatments. So the fact that she was able to do things like this walk is really remarkable. Yeah, she totally, it, it, she had the most remarkable spirit and courage. She really did. And she left us with, with many gifts, just of her courage, and to to everybody who read her blog, of giving people hope and an encouragement. So along the way, she's doing these rounds of chemo, and then she's checking in with a doctor who decides, yes, you need another round. Or along the way, were you aware? I know you hadn't Googled anything and you didn't know the 5%, but how was it all progressing? Because she obviously had to continue treatments. So was she being told that it's not working, we have to do more or what was going on during that two years? Well, it was, the cancer was progressing and treatments continued until probably one of the worst days of my life. Oof. I don't know if I can get this part out. Let's take a breath. (laughs) She had uh, gone to get results. She'd been called 
to come and get some results and decisions we assume as to what the next treatments were to be. But I was sitting in my car waiting because her husband had taken her and the plan was I would go to the hospital, he would leave and go to work and as usual, and I would go and meet her there and pick her up and bring her home. But they didn't call and he didn't call and he didn't call. And I was sitting in my car waiting and it was snowing and the wipers were going and it was cold. Finally, he called and he said words that I hope others never hear. He said they have no more treatments for her and he was bringing her home. So I went to meet her there and she said she just felt that the system fails you at that point. If they don't have any more treatments, they spit you out and throw you out onto the street is how she described it and how she felt. You can go now. You have nowhere to go. You've been cared for and treated and given hope. And now you suddenly have nothing. And they said, well, maybe you should look for a clinical trial. Maybe you could, and maybe you could do this and maybe you could do that. They had no real alternatives or anything to offer her. So after that point, we gathered ourselves together, no doubt with more champagne to get us through the evening and and uh, and then we all started looking for clinical trials and Leanne was very good at researching and and she did find one in Detroit where she went and how did that go they were absolutely incredible in Detroit it was it was grueling they drove to Detroit I stayed home and looked after Georgia when they got in the car, honestly wondered if she'd make the, the drive to Detroit or if I'd ever see her again. But they went and they had very encouraging conversations and they offered her a clinical trial. And she came home and the clinical trial, I think, was due to start in about three weeks. She had to get her cell count, her white blood count up to a certain level. And uh, she never made the trial. Mm. Mm. She went, she was really sick when she went to Detroit. Yeah, it was really something to hold on to, something to give her hope, which a lot of these trials do work and are successful for people. But I think her cancer at that stage was too far advanced. So she never had a chance to start it. No. She comes home and, and what were those, what were those three weeks like with her being so very sick? With Leanne, it was never a focus on, on that ever. She, she summoned us all one evening. I can't even remember. I think it might have been a Sunday evening, but she summoned us all. We were all sitting around on her bed because she was now in bed with terrible headaches, although she never had brain cancer or tumors in the brain, but she had these 
really, really excruciatingly bad headaches. And very funny writing about when the tests came back. She said, nothing in my brain, no brain, no nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, there was nothing in her brain. She said, I'm quite happy to hear that. But we were all sitting around her on her bed and drinking champagne and she wanted (laughs) there's that champagne again (laughs) oh always flowers around us and champagne and and music always and georgia in and out and then we put her to bed we read her stories and get her to bed and and we're having a party in the in her bedroom and she wanted to talk about her death and so at that point of mary she knows she knows she knows and Everybody knows, except I buried it too far down. I was in complete denial. I could not accept it. Anyway, Leanne wanted to talk about her funeral. She had written herself, uh, whatever you write for funerals. The (laughs) eulogy or the obituary. (laughs) She had written the eulogy, I think, or one of them. Very funny. And she had... Uh, she had organized her friend Sharon, who has a beautiful voice, to sing. The song Leanne chose was She's Gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can imagine how we all felt at the funeral hearing that. <laughs> I, it's, this is making me tear up. <laughs> this is uh, for all of us that are mothers to have a child, a daughter go through this. It's very, um, I don't know, it just hits home really hard with what you're sharing. And uh, yeah, I'm sure. And uh, anyway, she'd written and Angelique was to speak. That's her, the two best friends and Eden, her other best friend. She, she wanted to talk about it. Of course I didn't. And, and I didn't want to talk about it, but in hindsight, and now I would advise anybody, if somebody wants to talk about their death, and they bring it up, let them. It's a huge relief to, for them to talk about their funeral, to accept it. And that's, yeah, and we knew, we knew what she wanted to, to have. So, yeah, so let if somebody brings it up themselves. Mm-hmm. I think would be my suggestion as to how to handle it and not, not you bring it up, mm-hmm. um, but everybody's different. You know, somebody else might appreciate you bringing it up because they can't, but they want to talk about it. So you just have to judge each person. There are absolutely no hard and fast rules for um, not even guidelines for this. It's just, everybody's experiences are shared and everybody's is different. Uh, Leanne did write one really useful blog to me anyway. She had written the 10 things not to say to somebody with cancer. I think that's what I just pulled up on the internet from that cancerous crap, 10 things not to say to someone with cancer. Yeah. So, you know, that was very useful because we don't think of how the person with cancer is interpreting things. You know, it's like, don't say to them, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And uh, one of Leanne's famous ones is 
don't Lance Armstrong me, you know, just because he did all these things and he, when he had cancer, don't expect me to be Lance Armstrong, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's affecting me differently or I, I can't do that. Don't have those ex- expectations of me. So we always keep that expression. Don't Lance Armstrong me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You know, and the other thing she wrote was always in, invite me to everything, even though you think I may not come or I may be too sick. I still want to be invited. Don't yes. leave me out. Yes. And I think even when you're not sick, you want people to, even if they know you can't show up, they want to know that they were invited and welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Death is such a hard conversation. I remember when my mom was really sick with a stroke and, and she was in hospice care and she looked at me one day and she was the queen of not ever wanting to talk about being sick or end of life. And she, she just looked at me and she goes, Jennifer, am I dying? I, I, I didn't have a clue what to say. I was so stunned. So all I could say was, well, not today, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. Yeah, it's having that conversation really hard. Really hard. Yes, very hard. And as I say, some people, you have to judge the person and the timing. And and I think that was a very good answer. None of us know when the exact moment will be or who wants to talk about it and who doesn't. It sounds like she went through this whole time with just so much courage and taking everything and dealing with it as, as best she could. What, what was going on with her daughter? How did she, did she tell her daughter or what was that conversation or like, I'm not quite sure how to ask that, but with uh-huh. her, she... her daughter was so little, but Leanne was so sick. Yeah. Tell me about that. We were all very, very blessed. Leanne had, what was the organization? Rethink, Rethink Cancer. I'd have to look that up too. Oh, well, that's but, where this blog is. It's on Rethink Breast Cancer. So yes, there we go. And they had a group of breast cancer people that uh, were all grouped together and Leanne wanted to join it. And she was excluded from it because hers had metastasized. And when it's metastasized, your chances of survival are pretty much gone. They didn't want her in that group. And Leanne felt really, really hard, upset by that. So they gave her, sent her, offered her the most wonderful childcare specialist you can ever imagine, Morgan Livingston. And she would come around. This is quite early days. She would come around to play with Georgia and Morgan with all through play would talk about Leanne's cancer and it's not catching. And she would explain everything that in terms that a child could understand and through play. She was, she is the most extraordinarily gifted person. And when she would, it would be time for, she'd come once a week when she'd come to the door Georgia would be looking out the window waiting for her and she would scream with happiness. She would fling herself into Morgan's arms and absolutely loved her. So when it got closer 
to the time Morgan had explained to Georgia and brought to the house pipes and tubing and explained the machines that Leanne would be hooked up to help her breathe and why and what they were doing and the tubing and all of that Georgia could expect to see. So that when it came time, Morgan brought Georgia into the room to kiss Leanne goodbye. And she was not afraid at all because she knew what to expect. And as best through play, she had explained everything to Georgia. And Leanne had to, they'd gone through moments when they were watching movies and somebody had died and Georgia didn't understand. And uh, that was a tough moment for Leanne to try and explain. But um, so she was not at all afraid. She was with Morgan. Morgan came into the room and handed her to me. And I held her while she kissed Leanne goodbye. And the only thing she asked me was, is mommy going to open her eyes? Why doesn't she open her eyes? And I said, she can't. And uh, she said, but I want her to. And I said, she can't, honey, but you can kiss her goodbye. And so that's, she kissed uh, Leanne goodbye. And then Leanne took her last breath. And then Morgan took Georgia back and took her to the room where she had special toys because children deal with grief through play. And I was so grateful she told me that. Oh, I would have wondered why Georgia was always rushing for her toys. But that's how they express themselves. And that's how they cope with death. And so Morgan had in the next room special toys for Georgia to go back to until we could, well, her Leanne's friends, Angelique and Cam, took Georgia home with them for a bit. So I can only imagine how very painful and heartbreaking that was and how just how awful to lose your daughter at such a young age. It is indescribable, and I do not wish that on anybody, any mother especially, but Leanne left us with so much and so many gifts, and Georgia being one of them. And to this day, Georgia and I are really close, and what a gift. If there was something you think Leanne would like to share about everything she went through. You've already shared some things that she felt very strongly about. What, what do you think she would want to say to women that might be going through something like this? Well, at first, I think she'd say to me, oh, mommy, stop crying. <laughs> oh, are you crying again? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> and she did say to me, you know, after I, I'm gone and dead and gone to heaven she said I'll come back and uh, she said you've got one year to grieve and after that you get it together and mm. you get on with your life and she said otherwise I'll come down and kick you <laughs> <laughs> and I said and what makes you think you're going to heaven oh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had a good laugh over that but it's, it has stood me in really good 
stead to say, okay, I have one year to grieve and then get on with it. And it's not that the pain ever goes away, but life definitely does go on. So that's beautiful wisdom from her to you. And what would you like to share about going through this? Any any words of wisdom to the mothers out there that might be seeing their <laughs> children suffer? Jennifer, I have no words of wisdom. I have none. I have lots of things and lots of examples of things that I went through and how I dealt with them. Some I would have liked to have dealt with differently. But the one thing I, I did was make just a promise to myself I would spend every single moment with her that I possibly could and that it would always be happy hopeful and joyful and and I think that's what Leanne uh, would say to to anybody too you know the the more the more that you can live your life as you would regardless of the cancer I think that's what she'd want. She really wanted to give people hope and give them all the information that she could about what she went through. And everybody, as I said, I wouldn't presume to have any words of wisdom. Everybody will deal with it differently. Mm-hmm. So I think live your life with, with laughter and champagne and flowers and courage. Yes, that's so beautiful. And it through that has given you some beautiful memories with her happy hopeful joyful that's beautiful very beautiful how did you get on with things once she was gone I have wonderful friends who supported me and were always there for me I had Georgia I had my son and his family and my other little granddaughter and uh, so I had a lot of support. I went to a grief, like a support a, support group, a support group. But that was they couldn't take me when I wanted to go, so I went a year later, and probably that was the right time for when I could cope with things. So a lot of support, and it, it's day by day. Each day, one foot in front of the other. Each day you get better, but. One thing I will say is there is no way that you can live with the intensity of the pain of somebody dying when they die. That pain is so intense, it cannot stay there. It's like joy. When you're so joyful and so happy, that intensity doesn't stay there either. So I learned that and found that that was really encouraging, that it would go. And it would lessen. It never goes away completely. Of course not. It's always there. But the intensity and the enormity of it lessens. And you can go on with your life. And I think, too, you need to make up your mind that that is what you want to do. And oh, that's, a, that's a very good point, making up your mind. That's what yeah, you that's what you want. And that you don't want to live in suffering and misery. And Leanne would not have wanted that for me for a minute. And certainly Georgia brought so much joy to when I would always see her 
and happier. So, so yeah, I think that's those were my lessons that you can't stay in that state, neither pain nor nor intense joy, but you can just appreciate each moment that you feel you not getting consumed and overwhelmed by by the pain and one day you laugh and you suddenly realize you weren't even thinking about it you were just laughing again and that was a great moment for me i also learned that when people experience a death the majority of people need to talk about it it's an extreme experience and you don't need to offer solutions and comfort or anything you just need to listen people listen to me i have one really good friend he listened to me at nauseam the other friend who was there at the time couldn't stand it and wanted me to shut up but the greatest gift you can give to somebody is just to listen to them because you have to you can't keep all this in yeah, you, have you have to, to get it out you have to express it you just do and I think there's so many people that are afraid to talk about it. Then they don't know what to say. So they either avoid or they don't say anything. Yes, you're but so right. Just to be able to, to hear your daughter's name come out of someone's mouth. I, I've heard that sometimes, you know, you hear that so often that people don't bring up the person's name or don't talk about it because they're, I think they're afraid to. So that's really important. And I'm really glad you shared that. Yeah, and there are a lot of people who'd come up to me, they didn't know what to say. And I'd laugh and I'd say, you know what, it's okay, I don't know what to say either. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I still sometimes don't know what to say to somebody. Just because I've experienced it doesn't make me the authority on how to handle it or what to say. I just really appreciate people, even those ones that really want to say something and can't get anything out or don't know what to say, just don't avoid people. Don't run away from it. And also, you took some actions after she passed away to continue her, really her legacy with helping to get the blog out there. And you wrote the story, the Unbreakable Spirit story. So that gave you two two good projects uh, to keep her memory alive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it certainly did. I am so glad you shared all this with us. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through all that and that you lost your beloved daughter. I want to just shift gears just a little bit back to you. And I know we're coming off of all of this COVID and and your business changing. And so now you are this entrepreneur helping people in the health and beauty industry with new skin. I thought you could take a moment to share just briefly a little bit about you found this new business and that it's thriving. And I imagine that brings you a lot of joy to be busy and be a thriving entrepreneur. It certainly is a lot, has been a lot. I get a huge amount of joy and fun and and connection with people because we have a team, we connect We've, of course, Zooms and, and constantly in, in contact. Social media has, of course, exploded, exploded my business uh, because it's fun and easy to do on social media. 
and it's uh, reaching more people faster. And, and I just love it. I've always loved beauty products. And when I was with Mac and since then and before then, I was in the fashion industry. I produced Toronto Fashion Week for the first six years. I traveled to New York for Fashion Week and all over the world doing events, all involved with fashion and beauty and makeup. And I love people, helping people be healthy from the inside because that's where beauty starts, not just with your personality, which also starts on the inside and shines out. But if you're healthy on the inside, you are your skin looks beautiful and clear and glows. Uh, so, yeah, I absolutely love the fashion and beauty industry and the health and helping people look and feel more beautiful. And there's so many different ways to do that. There's so much you can do for prevention of getting disease. I'm not saying we can stop everything, but there's certainly a lot we can do to keep ourselves healthy and beautiful. So I know you have a special offer for our listeners. So can you share what that special offer is? And I will also put all of this in the show notes for our listeners. Well, I'd love to offer anybody who would uh, like to, to have a 15 minute chat with me conversation. I have three products I would love you to choose from to talk about. One of them is Lumi Spa, which is the world's number one cleansing device, facial cleansing device. It was voted, has been voted four years in a row independently voted, not even by New Skin, as the number one beauty device. And it also helps build collagen. And as we know, or may not know, we all need collagen. It helps keep our cheeks firm and lifted, our skin, our bones, and, and hair and nails healthy. And uh, so one is our Lumi Spa that we can chat about. The other one is collagen which is a big buzzword now. Everybody's got a collagen product out there. But ours is unique because it has a huge amount of science behind it. And I would, could talk ad infinitum about the science. What I've found is people aren't really interested in the science. It's there. It's, you can see the clinical trials, the independent blind studies, all the rest of it. They just want to know what it's going to do for them. Right. They just want it to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And it works incredibly because the before and after photos, even mine, I was shocked because I take pretty good care of my skin and have all these beautiful products. But the difference with the collagen was remarkable in my skin clarity and firmness of my cheeks. I know you can't see me as I'm patting my cheeks, but they they are pretty firm. And uh, so it's a very unique collagen. It doesn't just have collagen in it. It has other ingredients, which we won't go into now, but it's called Beauty Focus Plus. And so it is, the focus is on beauty, but of course you can't tell collagen not to go wherever it needs to right (laughs) (laughs) exactly it goes where it needs to go and it's a delicious drink it is so yummy so very easy to to take wonderful and and what's the third the third one the third one is very new it's a 
a BB cream. And people in the beauty industry will know what BB cream is, but it's a, it's a beauty foundation, which I hesitate to say the word foundation because the, the image we all have of foundation is it makes your skin look older and clogs the wrinkles you, know, you may have. But this is a, a bioadaptive and plant-based foundation. So it blends into your skin, it moisturizes. And because I've been in the fashion industry and the makeup uh, with MAC Cosmetics, I know a lot about makeup. And uh, this is just different to anything I've ever experienced. It's, it's looks so, it doesn't even look as though you've got anything on your face at all. And it doesn't feel as though you've got anything. It is moisturizing and it's got all kinds of ingredients that are helping your skin. And it's bioadaptive, which means it actually adapts to your skin. So it's not like it's going to work the same way on you as it does on me. It, it's, as the name says, bioadaptive adapts to your skin. And the plants that new skin are using are all plants that have adapted in nature to harsh environments. So they can live, some of them can live in desert and climate, and yet if they get a few drops of water, they just, it's called the resurrection. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, flourish the resurrection plant. So all these plants are incredibly clever in my, (laughs) to me, that they can adapt these plants and into this use them as ingredients so that they will then adapt the same way to your skin and to your environment so if you need if it's very humid out which toronto gets very humid then they will put less mm-hmm. in your skin less moisture in your and skin. then if you're if it's dry more moisture will come in so yeah those sound like three great products and i think you had also said that if someone sets up a chat with you you have a free gift for them I do. I do. I have a free gift for them. Shall and they'll I have spo- to wait. And, no, they'll have to wait and be surprised. <laughs> okay. I, won't spoil, I nearly spoiled the surprise. That's okay. Because uh, <laughs> I, so, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So Jan, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. And I'm just going to say, when you get in touch with Jan, in order to get your gift and have your chat, you need to let her know that you listen to the Unbreakable Spirit podcast, or you can mention my name, Jennifer Seven. So make sure you do that. So Jan, tell, tell them how to get in touch with you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mention Jennifer, don't forget, because uh, <laughs> these are wonderful podcasts that you've been doing. And oh, listen to you. some of Jennifer's back podcasts, because uh, they are so all different and so interesting and fascinating. So anyway, to get in touch with me, I think the easiest way is by email. And uh, my email is jan, J-A-N-N, Coppen, C-O-P-P-E-N, at rogers.com. So it's jan Coppen at rogers.com. And I'm sure Jennifer will put it up. You can also find me on Facebook. Jan Coppin. Coppin. Yes. And I'll put all the links to your social media in the show notes as well. And Rogers for listeners, just so you know, it's R-O-G-E-R-S.com. Just to make sure you're spelling it right. Well, Jan, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast and for sharing 
this very beautiful story about your amazingly beautiful, strong, courageous daughter. I thank you for sharing all of that. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Um, Anytime I can tell Leanne's story, it's just something I want to do and love to do. So it's really to honor her. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh, you're so welcome. And again, listeners, uh, you can read the story in the Unbreakable Spirit book. And I will be putting that in the show notes as well, as well as how to find Leanne's blog. Thank you so much, Jan. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at sevencompany.com. That's the number seven, company.com. And please join us for our next episode where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive.